All right. Well, as Brendan mentioned, uh, we get a great opportunity to hear from um, Scott Callantine today. This month, we're focusing on our, our mission, which extends here, near, far, reaching the last, the lost, and the least. And I know it's exciting. It's so exciting. I'm, that's basically how I feel right before coming to church every day. In a positive way, not a, yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. That's true, yeah. No, <laughs> no yeah. <laughs> um, our mission extends here, near, and far. And we believe that a healthy church has an ascending impact um, here in our community um, um, and uh, near around us and even to the uttermost parts of the earth, as some of you were in Cheo, Guatemala. Scott serves as a part of the Simple Church Collective in Everett, Washington, and they are planting what are called micro-churches together. And he'll, he'll talk a little bit more about that. But um, for those of you who are newer with us, Scott is from our congregation, and he'll fill you in a little bit more about that. We've supported him over the years with his ministry development. And this past year, um, I, I got to be the officiant for Scott and Selena's wedding. So now Scott is uh, married uh, to Selena, who's also here with us. Give a little wave, Selena. Yeah, great. So glad that you get to be here. And we really believe in this young couple and the ministry they are a part of. So Scott's going to come up in just a moment and share with us. But let's stand together and read our scripture as it is our habit. Yeah. I'll read the reference we all together will read the words. Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The word of the Lord. Yes, you can be seated. Scott, come on up. In addition to um, giving you a gift for speaking today, um, New Hope is also giving the Simple Church Collective a gift, which continues to express our heart to support you, the Simple Church Collective, church planting, and we're excited to hear from you as Scott tells us more about being sent. Would you welcome Scott with me? Thank you so much. Isaac, I would have given you a hug if you didn't have a broken arm and a hurt wrist, so I appreciate that very much. Thank you. Thank you. Um, as Isaac mentioned, uh, you guys, New Hope, Foursquare, you were my family. You're still my family. You're ex my extended family. I was here for six years, six very key years in my spiritual development, um, my life development, and through a lot of ups and downs in my life. I was heavily involved in student ministries. Um, I see well, a few students, I guess, but they're gone. Um, but uh, I was heavily involved in as much as I could be in this church because I love this church. And in that time of my life, when I lived here, that was where I felt Jesus calling me to be. 
But in 2019, that was a long time ago. This was before COVID, right? That's like <laughs> a long time ago. Um, I was sent out from this church to a place called Arlington, Washington. Probably never heard of it. It's OK. Um, it's about an hour north of Seattle. Starting in 2017, I started attending Reach Training Institute here in Salem, Oregon, known as RTI at Salem Alliance. And a part of my schooling was to go and do a residency, a practicum, probably somewhere else. And the opportunity arose to go to Washington. And I never thought and like, my opportunity to go somewhere would be like another rainy location. You know, I was like, <laughs> cool, we're going. Rain's even more there. And so I was sent here from New Hope in 2019. And through 2021, I lived in Arlington, Washington, serving at Smoky Point Community Church with some student ministries. And in that time, I also got involved in church planting. Now, I had no idea what church planting was really about, and I'm still figuring it out. I'm still learning. But in 2021, uh, I graduated Reach Training Institute with a bachelor's in Christian studies. And then a new season was starting for me. There was a lot of new opportunity in my life. Now, I knew I was going to get married soon. My, at the time, girlfriend was not as confident as myself. <laughs> she didn't know I was planning to propose later that year and, and all kinds of stuff. And we are married now, thankfully. Um, she's my better half, trust me. And so what I did, though, was that I was joining a startup, what we call a mission agency, the Simple Church Collective, with our goal to create a disciple-making movement through planting micro-communities of the faith in the greater Seattle area. We call them simple churches or micro churches. So I knew that I was going to be a part of this new initiative, but I did not know much else than that. And our vision is to rate, oh, I thought it was a slide up there. It's cool. Uh, our vision is to reach the greater Seattle area. So I was like, cool, I'm moving closer to Seattle. At one point, I thought that was going to be Linwood, Washington, which is about 20 minutes out of the greater like Seattle it's proper. Housing opportunity fell through. I was like, OK, I don't know what I'm doing. I ended one chapter. I'm in this limbo. Jesus, where are you leading me? God, what, it, what do you have for me? I feel this passion. I feel this vision. But what I thought I was about to go do, that door closed. But after a month or so of praying and asking God to show up, a studio apartment in Everett, Washington, opened up. And fresh out of school, figuring out church planting, and I was actually finishing a master's degree. I was extremely broke at the time, too. I was like, well, can I pay for that? I think so. And so contacted the guy. And after a little bit of time, I was blessed with a studio apartment from a, a guy who didn't need to give it to me. But he's like, you're the first one who called me, and I want to offer it to you. Right there, I saw the hand of Jesus just guiding me. And so I've been living in Everett for a little over a year, and I have fallen in love with the city. I cannot describe it in any other way than to say, I feel called to be in Everett right now. Two years ago, I would not have predicted what my life today would look like. I'm involved in a neighborhood association up in Everett. That was one of the first people groups that I plugged into. And I would say my voice matters there. I think the only believer that's really stepped into that space. 
I've made meaningful relationships with my direct neighbors. In Everett, uh, it's different than Salem. They're often, the housing is often connected by alleyways. And so I went around and delivered cookies to every single person in my alleyway so that I met them and they knew who I was. And I left my phone number. And not everyone was thrilled about it, but <laughs> some, were, some, some were excited about it. And from that, some meaningful relationships have been developed and are established. And that same landlord who didn't need to rent to this 20-something-year-old, just-finished-college guy had another place in Everett that he's now renting to me and my wife, a nice one-bedroom apartment. Our ministry gets to continue through. So I've seen the faithfulness of Jesus over the past year or so of my life, even more so. I also spend 30 hours a week in a local elementary school where I get to work with some of the most difficult students in the entire district. And I get to be a, a, I can be a source of grace and compassion in their life. I can't go into all the stories, but it's some of the most dysfunctional people in the world and, and the, the ways that they live. And I get to be a source of Jesus to them. The last year, last two years even, has clarified my calling and has clarified my location of my calling, which is in Everett. Everett, just like Salem, has its issues. I'm not going to say it doesn't, but I love my city because I think Jesus wants us to love our city well. I think Christians actually should be the people who love their city the best. And today I come to you not as an expert, but as a practitioner, someone trying to do this, trying to live this way, who's definitely made mistakes, definitely messed up. So one, I wanted to update you as my old family, and two, show you how Jesus has sent me and been sending me. Because we have a sending God. We have a missionary God. And here's what I want us to remember today. That Jesus has sent us into our community by the power of the Holy Spirit. How many of us like the idea of being sent by Jesus? You can throw your hand up if you want. It's cool. I like a little bit of interaction. Um, it's a really good, I guess, it feels good to say, man, Jesus has sent me. But in practice, I don't know sometimes. <laughs> it's really easy to see the flaws in our city, in our state, in our government. We see the issues in our workplace and with our coworkers. We see the faults in our neighbors, in our neighborhood, with family. And we choose our, our friends based on our compatibility and our, their likability. <laughs> As a Jesus follower, I think it's really natural to look at the world and see all the ways that it doesn't align with the way of Jesus. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. For example, it's been midterm election season, and if you've paid attention at all, you've been like spanned with campaigns. There's been things in the mail. There's like emails, like, how am I even on an email list? I have no idea. And you're just getting all kinds of stuff. Now, that just ended, but it's obvious that our society has problems and that some people try to present themselves as, I will fix this problem, or I will be better than the other person, and they kind of demonize one another. 
Rather, I think, I think that's pretty unlikely that you'll fix the problem. Rather, I think the source of fixing that problem is the people of Jesus. Amen. I think the people of Jesus are the best source of help that the world has. Yeah. We are the tools of God's mission in the world. And as I try to live on mission, there are three questions that I have found helpful in my life I want to present to you today. First one is, Jesus, where are you at work in my community? Secondly, Jesus, how can I join you? And third, Jesus, what people have you sent me to? As a Simple Church Collective, we find asking the question, Jesus, where are you at work in my community, helps us to discover what God is already doing in our world, where he's already at work, and then gives us opportunities to join him. Typically, I find two main responses to this idea of, of joining God at work or identifying where he's at work. One is we look at our community or our city and, man, they need Jesus. So I'm going to get some of my friends together, get some Christians together. We're going to start this new initiative or this new program, do this new thing. And at times, that is what is needed. But often, it presumes that Jesus is not already at work. The other response that I've experienced is the city or my neighborhood, my community, are they're all so far from Jesus. God could not possibly be in this work. They're beyond saving. And this is understandable, especially in our social, cultural, political climate that we live in. I understand why we would feel this way. But without saying it, we inadvertently assume a lack of God's sovereignty and his omnipresence. We assume that he's not actually present in any of it. I would point you to the book of Jeremiah if you want to talk, wrestle with that specific issue. We notice injustices, issues in our world, and we think, man, God really should send someone to fix that. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I've said prayers like, Lord, send someone to those people. Or God, do you see this evil thing, this injustice? Where are the Christians there? Raise them up. Send some there. There's right intention to have a godly person involved in that crisis, in that injustice. But generally speaking, we mean send someone else. <laughs> At the collective, we try to ask Jesus, how can I join you? Because God wants to send us. Understanding that God is already at work in the world and that we should join his work might be quite a challenging paradigm shift. Has been for me. It's not always easy. I had to stop thinking that God's work was out there and it's actually still right here. God's at work out there and he's also at work here. So when we see our needs in our community, we wrestle with God at work and how to join that work. We might say, God, send someone to me. Okay, I'm cool with being, you know, I'm cool with getting involved. All right, now bring them into my life. Crash them 
into my world. And I think it's natural to think like that. But rather, instead of sending someone to me, we should be asking God, how can you send me to them? How can we be sent to the people that we're called to? Because our communities need Jesus. And rather than assuming that there needs to be a brand new thing in the community, we ask Jesus, where are you at work in my community? In a world in need of Jesus, the world needs the people of Jesus in the world. Rather than asking God to send someone else, we ask, Jesus, how can I join you? In joining God in his mission, we do not wait for someone to come to us. We go to them. Like Peter in Acts 10 broke down cultural and ethnic barriers with Cornelius, the Roman soldier, a Gentile. There's a lot about that passage, but he broke down so many barriers and he went to Cornelius. and saw an entire household come to the Lord. The reality is that everything in the Christian life stems from a place of being sent and of mission. So we ask these questions, we discern these answers. It might be deeply challenging and uncomfortable, but I would recommend embracing that. And for those of us that feel affirmed by asking these questions, I applaud you. And Jesus is proud of you. But I would also caution you, don't go on autopilot and see what else God is doing. We're going to turn to the Old Testament to build a framework of being sent, or sometimes I say of sentness. So we will be in Genesis 12. A key word for us here is mission. This is like a theological word for us is mission. A lot of us may come to the idea of mission with a lot of uh, maybe some baggage or some ideas attached to it. Uh, The Great Commission, a missionary, short-term missions trip, those are all really good. And others of us may not have much attached to it at all. And, you know, that's cool. But we approach this, we need to keep the idea of mission in mind as we read this text. We're going to start in in Genesis 12, in the Old Testament. Uh, My messianic rabbi friend in Seattle says the First Testament. It's like, the New Testament's pretty old too, so it's like, it's the First Testament. All right. Can't argue with that, too. It's 2,000 years. Genesis 12. Before we read, though, Genesis 11, just to give you some context, Tower of Babel story. People built this large tower in an attempt to to reach God, to get to the heavens. Um, And God was like, nope. Busted the, the tower down, and people were scattered, speaking different languages. So in the midst of Genesis 12, it comes out of this dividing moment in human history. Genesis 12 says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This text is one of the most significant texts of the Old Testament. Because it sets forth the path of Abram, later to be known as Abraham, and the path of the Israelites, so generations to come. There's two observations I want to make about this text. One, it starts off with the word go. Go. It's very much sending. I'm telling you to go here. I'm sending you here. Now, 
the cool thing for Abraham, also the challenging thing, is this comes with a massive promise of this nation to be made. But for Abraham, he doesn't get to see this nation in his lifetime. He doesn't get to see the promise fulfilled in his life. Because sometimes God's promises outlast us on this side of eternity. And we have to be willing to go regardless if we see it fulfilled or not. The second big thing is the word bless or blessing. It's used five times in this text. And blessings can manifest as material wealth, physical abundance or physical health, a close relationship with God, peace with others, and perhaps maybe the most misunderstood is inheritance. Because the blessings of God can come in super tangible ways, but they also come as a part of our identity. Because we are God's ambassadors to the world, our inheritance is to be a blessing to the world. We are blessed to be a blessing. There's an acronym that I want to share with you guys for the word bless that I have found helpful in my life. And in the microchurch world, we tend to refer to it as the bless rhythms. So here's what it stands for. Oh, it's not really cool. Begin with prayer and fasting. That is the B. Begin with prayer and fasting. L is listen. That is both listen to people and listen to the spirit. E is eat. This is my favorite one. <laughs> it's the one I'm best at. People like to come together for meals. Host people. I share a meal with people in which you can listen and hear their story. S is serve. Find a way to tangibly serve in your community or with the people that you're called to. The second S is share. Share your story and share the story of Jesus. Now, there's nothing divine about this acronym whatsoever. If you don't want to use it, the Lord doesn't change anything about it. He doesn't love you less. It's, it's okay. I have found it helpful to use this in my life, and I wanted to share it with you. And each letter is grounded in the text. And as we identify where Jesus has work, we begin with prayer and fasting. We get to listen to the Spirit and listen to the people that we immerse our lives with. We eat, we gather people around the table, we get to serve in tangible ways. And when we have relational equity with people, because we've done this stuff, we get to share our story, share how we've come to know Jesus and how Jesus has transformed our life, and also share the gospel with them. We live in a, in a world and a culture, specifically here in the Northwest, that more times than not, they don't want to hear about your story or the story of Jesus if you do not have relational equity with them. If they don't trust you, they don't want to hear it. And these things build trust. The Old Testament's clear through Abraham, Moses, and others that God has sent his people into the world to draw the nations to them. He's been doing it for thousands of years, and he's probably going to continue to do it for thousands of years until Jesus is back. As we ask the question, Jesus, we're at work in my community. I believe Jesus has sent each one of us to a specific location at a specific time with specific people in mind. 
We're going to move on to Acts chapter 1. It's quite the time jump from Genesis to Acts, okay? A lot of stuff happens. Don't have time to cover it. Uh, important things, uh, Daniel, Moses, Exodus, these things. We're going to jump to Jesus, though. Jesus is a pretty big deal for our faith. In Acts, it's written by the same person who wrote Luke. So Luke wrote Acts. Luke and Acts are kind of like a part one, part two to the overall story. And at this point, Jesus has died, he's been resurrected, and he's in the midst, he's about to ascend back to the Father. So Acts 1, 4 through 8. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, he asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Catch verse 8, which I know you guys know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Remember what I wanted you, the big idea for today was Jesus sent us into our community by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I've heard it said the ministry can't truly begin unless we wait for the filling of the Spirit. And I think that's what Jesus prescribes. That the Holy Spirit's going to empower you for the work that he has sent you to do. There's a quote I want to share with you from a book called The Starfish and the Spirit. It came out a couple years ago. And it's been a very helpful book in my life and my transformation, just understanding some, some things about mission. And it says, mission starts by understanding that we serve a God who is a missionary. By his very nature, our God is a sent one who left his throne on mission to redeem humankind and all of creation through Jesus. It's this simple. The Father sent Israel... The Father sent the Son. The Father, Son, and Spirit are sending the church. If God is a missionary God, then as his offspring, we are a missionary people. I believe God has a mission for each one of us. So what might that be? Or as a sent people, what can we do? I want to suggest beginning with the three questions I asked from earlier. Taking time to process them. Maybe journal. I don't I'm sometimes a journal guy, sometimes not a journal guy. Uh, you don't have to journal. But process through these questions. Jesus, where are you at work in my community? How can I join you? And what people have you sent me to? Take time to process through those. Second, begin practicing the blessed rhythms. Specifically, if you do ask these three questions, I would even recommend beginning with prayer and fasting. Because it's remarkable what happens when you take something as key to your life as food and you remove it and you say, God, you have to sustain me. When I'm hangry, I need you, right? <laughs> the discipline regularly of fasting is not easy. I'm going to tell you that right now. If you've never fasted before and it's the first time you're going to try it, Give yourself grace. You may only get through one meal or a few hours, and then you cave. Cool. 
come back to it again. Right? Be faithful to the practice. Now, if you've never built a rhythm of prayer and fasting, also give yourself grace when you try to implement it regularly. Every first Friday of the month, our team prays and fasts together. And then we break it that night with a meal. Or sometimes it's, it's snacks, you know, if we have a later gathering. But we come together at the end of that time of prayer and fasting. What would Salem be like if every member of the Christian community believed they were empowered by the Spirit of God and a sent person by Jesus? What would Salem be like? I believe Salem would be a city and can be a city on mission for Jesus. I believe that each one of us has been sent by God for a time as this and for the people he has sent us to. I've heard it once said that every church has a lifespan. It has a beginning and an ending. But when the church leaves a community, it will be measured by what its neighbors have to say about it. Will the neighbors be glad that the church has left? Will they be relieved by its absence? Or will there be a hole in the community because the people of God are no longer there? I've chosen to prioritize working out at my local YMCA. Every Monday night, I go to a cycle class. Every Wednesday night, I go to a court class. I'm trying to build in more gatherings. Because I don't go alone. I go with intention to interact with other people. People that are far from Jesus. I go to the YMCA with intention. I go on mission. I go as a sent one by Jesus to my YMCA as a Holy Spirit-empowered person. Through my weekly going, which... I'll be honest, occasionally I miss, okay? I'm not perfect. But by regularly going, I've built meaningful relationships with people who care what I have to say, who care about my relationship with me and Selena, who care about us and we care about them. And they're on another place in their spiritual journey. And one day, hopefully, by faithfulness in pursuing them, they will join me in following Jesus with me. One day when I am sent elsewhere, when I stop going to the YMCA, will the people that I've made relationship with be glad that I have left? Or will there be an absence in their life because I'm no longer there? I think Jesus has sent each one of us into our community for such a time as this. He has sent us by the power of the Holy Spirit.